where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Bills fans. By Bills fans. Only Buffalo is going to win it. This is the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones. Here's Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Welcome back for another edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn, Alex Jones with you. Fresh off the Bills 38-10 victory over the Vegas Raiders. This week, the Buffalo Bills head to the nation's capital, taking on the Washington Commanders from FedEx Field, a 1 o'clock kickoff coming Saturday. All right, before we get, or Sunday, before we get into Sunday's matchup here versus Washington, let's get into what we saw last week with the Raiders and the Bills. It started slow. Um, you know, we saw, uh, I want keep wanting to call them Oakland to the Raiders, marched down the field, scoring that first drive. Buffalo goes three and out on their next possession, but then they get an interception, and it was all Buffalo from that point out. Yeah, it, being in stadium, I don't know if people heard um, the broadcast, there was a smattering, a pretty loud smattering of boos that happened after the three and out. Oh, yeah. Um, but after the Trell Bernard interception, it it was really, um, it really just was full steam ahead from there. The Bills did their job, did what they needed to do, and showed that they are they outclassed the Las Vegas Raiders significantly across the board. Yeah, um, it started with Josh having a strong day. Um, you know, he was he was perfect in the outing on the afternoon. Um, Thirty-one of thirty-seven, two hundred seventy-four yards passing. Three touchdowns. Uh, Cook was great. Got some yardage in garbage time, but finished with over 100 yards, 123 on the day. Gabe Davis, six receptions for 92 yards and a score. I mean, they spread the rock around. They ran the ball well. They did everything fundamentally that you're supposed to do to win a football game. Well-designed game plan. Good, solid win for the Bills after that stinger on Monday Night Football to start the year. Yeah, it was just a, it was just such a, a solid win. Um, you know, it, it really was what the Bills needed. It was a get-right game. It almost felt like a college football game where you see a top team lose to an in-conference rival who have been a little underclass but really played their Super Bowl essentially, and then they got they have a like non non-power five conference opponent coming up. And, you know, people are talking like, oh, they could, you know, they might, they might not have it anymore. And then they'll just beat the sand out of that opponent. Yeah. And that's 100% what happened in this one. Um, Buffalo imposed their will. Matt Milano, um, if he keeps on pace with this, that's two interceptions through two games. He's on par for an all-pro season. Uh, maybe he'll get his first Pro Bowl not after being second team all-pro, but can't make the Pro Bowl. That's neither here nor there. Um, Milano's been playing lights out on defense and, uh, you know, and another guy who, you know, may have not had a lot in the stat column, Greg Rousseau is making his presence. He's getting pressure. He's the reason that that first interception happened to Bernard, that he's able to go ahead and get in Jimmy Garoppolo's face and tip that ball. That's why that ball picked off. But then Milano's interception, that was all on Maddie, uh, Maddie M right there. Uh, you know, just took it away from the defender and, Russell it downfield. I mean, 
Defense, all in all, I thought they played strong. Um, and then offense was efficient, and they moved the football other than that first drive, and they looked strong as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it really was, it seemed like Dorsey almost calibrated the offense in that first drive where, you know, the, the offense struggled on three plays in a row. They did not look good. And it almost, like, a pitch turn and the offense was like, oh, uh, oh, that's right. We, we, we forgot who we were for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's almost like, really, it almost felt like the booze powered them up where they were like, man, man, this is rough. Like, oh, wait, we know exactly who we are. <laughs> I almost like knocked them out of a, a heavy nap. And, you know, uh, Sam Martin, he punted that opening drive. That was his only punt the entire game. That's amazing. Uh, you know, they only kicked one field goal. So, I mean, they were efficient throughout. They did turn it over once uh, deep. I think they had the ball at the one-yard line and couldn't punch it in. But then uh, eventually they got the ball back, forcing a three and out, and then got points right before halftime. Yeah, and, you know, the Bills defense, I mean, Ed Oliver was on um, a different mode, too. We talked about Matt Milano. We talked about uh, the um, Ed Oliver and Groot both were just having a field day. Yeah. The play that Ed Oliver used, former Buffalo Bill Jeremy Van, uh, or sorry, just Van Roten, um, used him as a projectile to knock Josh Jacobs like three yards backward was so impressive. That's right, Greg Van Roten. I forgot he was even on the Raiders at this point there. So, yeah. Um, I mean, all in all, I thought the offensive line played well. Um, you know, we called out Spencer Brown particularly on this podcast last week, and I thought he had a solid afternoon. Yeah, it is. Um, he had probably one of his best games we've ever seen. He had Max Crosby against him. And the yeah. truth about offensive line is actually it's pretty similar to playing defensive back even the best women in the world are going to get beat on a play, right? You just got to get lucky that your teammates bail you out, whether that be the quarterback getting the ball up fast so it becomes a moot point or the defensive line getting to the quarterback and stopping them so it didn't matter that you got beat on the play. And that's, I think that's one of the toughest things for both fans and players to, you know, get is – Offensive line isn't about perfection. It's just about keeping their baseline, and that's what Spencer Brown put through this whole game. Deion Dawkins looked great. Osiris Torrance looked fantastic. Um, and Morphs has always looked good. And so did Martin. I mean, it was it was a great showing across the board from Bill to line. Uh, I thought um, it was good to see the mix of the running backs. Latavius Murray... Uh, you know, came in, I thought he was a force in short yardage situations. So, without a doubt, that helped in this one. Good to see Damien Harris. He had that one uh, kick return for over 40 yards, uh, finished with 33. He had a score in this, his first as a Bill. Um, solid team win that, you know, although Josh had a good game and, you know, he was named AFC Player of the Week, surpassing Jim Kelly's record of 10, Josh gets 11, and Josh is still very young in his career. Uh, they really spread the rock around. It was very fluid. Yeah, and it, it really looked like everybody on the offense was firing on all cylinders. I mean, James Cook had one of his best games we've seen from it, which was capped off with him busting, I think, like a 37-yarder. 
um, that he just made a cut, made a guy miss, and then just took off running. And you could tell he was a little gassed out because it was the end of the game. And he's played a significant amount of snaps. Also, Latavius Murray, showing why he has had nine straight seasons with 500 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. He played fantastic. Was a fantastic in pass uh, protection and scored a touchdown, which we were joking I section if you had, had picked the um, Shakir, Dawson Knox, Latavius Murray, anytime touchdown score part, you'd probably be a millionaire. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thought Cook was going to, uh, excuse me, Cook, Dalton Kincaid was going to get in the end zone on this one. Uh, he was close. He was almost, if I recall, he was triple teamed in the end zone on that fourth down try and couldn't hold the ball in, or was that the play before? Regardless, um, Kincaid came close. I'm wondering if this week in Washington will be his game where he finds his first touchdown as a rookie. I wouldn't be shocked. I think, in honesty, it seems like they're kind of doing a smart thing, which is we're not going to try to force him the ball. If he's open, he's open. And the Dawson Knox fourth down conversion, really one of the the oh, yeah. very the very lone dark spots during this game. Um, I think that if that don't aid, that's a touchdown. Genuinely, if that that's don't if that's Dalton Kincaid, that's a touchdown. And even with that play, though, I I still thought that Dawson Knox had a solid game uh, catching the football as well. Uh, he came away with only 10 yards receiving. I don't know. It felt more impactful from being in the stands watching this one, Alex. Yeah, it did. It, 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 he was – I mean, this is what he's going to do, though. He's a guy who's going to get six receptions a game, 40 yards, and he's going to pick up the big first downs. And I remember offhand two he got during the game that were third and medium, and he just made his way in, got the catch, got the first down, got out of there and I think that's the smartest thing you can do with Dalton Kincaid is use him in that role as essentially your Cole Beasley you know Cole Beasley was so good at those option routes and all those different routes that allowed them to get those either set up first second and short or get first downs on third and medium and Kincaid just seems first Well, this is the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast, along with Alex Jones and Brad the Bruiser Einkorn, making sure you're following across our social media, drafthousesports.com at DHS Buffalo, at T.W. Callahan DHS at Bills Bruiser. And uh, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Buffalo Bills Draft House. All right, so the Buffalo Bills head to the nation's capital to take on a 2-0 Washington team. How nervous should Bills fans be in this one? This is a 2-0 team, but a team that nearly coughed up a sizable lead against the Cardinals, and then a team who came back but nearly coughed up a lead against the Broncos. They were a two-point try away from going to overtime. Yeah, I really think, the Bill, don't get me wrong, Bills fans should be semi-concerned because this is a defense that is very legit. They have offensive weapons. Um, really, they're limited by their quarterback play in Sam Howell. Um, and so I, I think it is it is one of those things where Bills fans should be slightly concerned, but not overly concerned. 
Well, it's funny you talk about Sam Howell. I was just looking at the numbers before we get on. You put them side by side. Very similar numbers. Josh Allen, 60 of 78, 510 yards passing, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Sam Howell, 46 of 70. So he's completed last, but he has 501 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Now, part of that may be misleading because he was playing behind. He had to throw the football there, but for a rookie out of North Carolina, his, his numbers aren't bad. No, no, no. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not besmirching um, Howell in any way. I think he's a, he's a good young quarterback. It's just he isn't up to the snuff of quarterback that should be beating the defense. Defense, even with the turnover, is still one of the best defenses in football. And four, they should be really beating the upper. They should be in every game and should only be beat by the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Now, I, I will say, I think the Jets game was chalked up to a little bit of that backup where you've been game planning for one person. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt three snaps in the game, and now the game plan changes. Aaron Rodgers significantly less. Zach Wilson, um, you know, more risk averse than Zach Wilson, where Zach Wilson will run and sling the rock. Um, so I, I think that Sam Howell, while he has all these weapons around him, I don't think he's enough to get to the Commanders over the end zone in this game. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see in this one here. Um, I mean, Washington without, I think they have talent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Brian Robinson, they're back out of Alabama, uh, who was actually a 2022 draft pick. Uh, 146 yards on 37 carries through two games. He has two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, you know, McLaurin, who has been, you know, a very good receiver. I remember him when they played the Bills a couple of years ago. Uh, Terry McLaurin has, uh, you know, 85 yards receiving, you know, so they are, you know, like the Bills spreading the rock around quite a bit. It's not, I mean, 85 yards through two games. That's not a ton here. That's not going to pop off the pages or anything like that. But, I mean, this is a team who's found a way to win against two, I'd say, down on their luck teams as of right now. And, and in all honesty, they also almost figured out a way to lose to both of those. Yeah, teams. right. They they really tried to give the game away, um, and you know I think I think fans of the Bills will be much more cognizant of the folly that Washington fell into with that Hail Mary, where you you, you could see the similar things to the Hail Murray, um, where players weren't going to knock the ball down, where guys were just trying to do what they can rather than what we've seen the Bills really focus on since that loss is we're not going for the ball. We're not going for anything. We are simply going to knock it down. And that's the only thing. And it's so interesting to fall into similar traps of the left teams. That's the thing. You go, you knock that ball down. Um, and it was just interesting to see fall Injuries, they can play a factor every week. Let's run through the injury report really quickly, uh, starting with the Bills at this point. Um, Terrell Bernard, he's been limited in practice both days this week with an E-quad injury. Leonard Floyd, he didn't practice on Wednesday, 
veteran rest, presumably limited today in practice. Uh, the same for Micah Hyde, Dawson Knox, and Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips has been battling an illness. Uh, Dawson Knox has been dealing with a bag issue. Micah Hyde, um, someone said, I think I heard Sal, the Buffalo Bills sideline reporter, said that, uh, you know, he had a little bit of limp at the end of last week. You know, he still played strong and everything, but a little bit of limp out of them. Um, Spencer Brown limited in practice today with a shoulder. Uh, veteran rest day for Jordan Poyer today. And then uh, James Cook had a personal day. That's just on the Buffalo Bills side. Um, anything that really concerns you in this one injury-wise at this point? I mean, no one's been ruled out here uh, so far. So, you know, maybe, and I, you know, speculated on this earlier today, if Hyde's not healthy, maybe this is the time that you let him rest a week and put in a hungry guy like DeMar Hamlin who's anxious to get back in the field. I've heard speculated if he plays practically, he's going to win the Comeback Player of the Year award, uh, which, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all at this point. But um, I'm wondering if that's a thought process in this one, if they decide to go ahead and rest him and uh, go ahead and start a guy like DeMar. Yeah, I think that could be a strong possibility. You're not facing a team with a you know, deep threat, which seems to be Lamar's poison last year. Um, it, it, I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate giving Hyde a rest day and being like, hey, get your body right, we think. It's not that you're supposed to not those things. You think the demand are in Having a little bit of connection issues with Alex Jones. Uh, let's just run through real quickly a uh, couple players on the injury report right now this week for the Washington Commanders. Logan Thomas currently questionable. Uh, he had a concussion. He didn't practice today. Uh, Darren Payne, their defensive tackle, he was limited with an ankle injury. And uh, your Tavius Martin, their safety. He has a concussion, but he was a full participant. I would say that's probably a sign that he's going to play this weekend. But I, I don't think anything, you know, stands out like it did uh, last week where the Rangers had a lot of injuries, you know. Um, if they had Jacoby Myers, I mean, who knows? That could have been possibly a different game that I, I think they were missing someone because all they had last week was Adams, and ultimately the Bills got wise to it pretty quickly after that first drive. Yeah, it it really it, it seemed like they were missing something on the offensive end, um, and you tell that Deron Payne having an injury is going to be tough. Even Deron Payne, ninety percent or eighty percent, is still makes him one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. But you know what? When an opposing player has a little you know bump or bruise, whatever, it is something that you're like, well, he'll be slightly slower. Um, it was posing every concern. He's going to be dressed and ready to go for the commanders. All right, so uh, coming up, a one o'clock kickoff for this game um, from FedEx Field, and it's so funny listening to the radio today. Uh, you know, they were talking about just calling this game from a broadcast perspective. Um, 
that it's just unfavorable. Basically, you're low and you're in the corner, uh, which I've heard, you know, Miami's not a great place to announce as well. But, uh, yeah, um, basically one of the more unfavorable stadiums in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, – hmm. I thought about going to this game. I had a buddy who I went to the Jets game at MetLife last year, and he's like, maybe we do the Washington game. Everything I've read, everything I've heard, I was like, you know what? I I can't stomach it. I can't do it. Yeah, I looked into it, too, and it's just, it, it's, I mean, an interesting thing is the Washington Commanders had tickets sold last year out of any team, and they sold out week, last week before on uh, this week, Monday, so it's, either A, transplanted Bills fans in the D.C. metro area, or uh, Bills Alright, well, the Bills game this week will be on CBS. You can watch it. One of my favorite play-by-play announcers, uh, Andrew Catalan. Anyone in western New York should be more than familiar. Does plenty of Bills games during the regular season, but he's also the play-by-play announcer. Um, they broke him up, loved him with James Lofton. Um, unfortunately, they're not a pair anymore, so it's going to be um, Andrew Catalan with Tiki Barber and Matt Ryan. So, I mean, could be a good broadcast crew. Love Matt Ryan. I could see him actually suiting up this year. The way injury is going, maybe the Jets give him a call at this point, but that game will be televised on CBS, and then anyone within uh, New York or Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, you'll be listening to the Buffalo Bills radio network. Yeah, I, Brad, I miss, I think that grouping of Lofton and Catalano is, was my favorite announcer grouping from last season. Really disappointing to hear them break up. Andrew Catalano, one of the, one of my favorite play-by-play announcers in the NFL. Um, and just a guy who is a great guy calling the game. You know, he's just a really enjoyable guy when calling the game. You know, just does a great job, true professional. Yeah, he builds the excitement, but not to a ridiculous, let's say, Gus Johnson level. He builds the excitement. You can hear it in his voice, but he doesn't lose his freaking mind. No, and don't get me wrong. I think there's a time and place for Gus Johnson. Ironically, for college football, I think he is significantly more tolerable. I think for college football, Gus Johnson does yeah. a great job because there is a little bit of that pomp and circumstance. He, he wanted to be the biggest player ever. Um, and so, but I agree, Catalan does a great job for the NFL call. Just one of my favorite calls, and he does it throughout if you watch any uh, Gus Johnson games. Just want to get off this tangent real fast, but he'll go, delivers incomplete. Like, building up for that big play. Oh, nothing happened. Sorry. Never mind. Disregard. I think that's one of the more enjoyable things, in all honesty, too, about him is that, like, you you do feel like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be a huge play. And then you're like, oh, it's almost like a heartbreak or elation where you're like, if it's your team, you're like, oh, my gosh, we just narrowly, you know, avoided a horrible fate. And if you're rooting for the team that happened to you, you're like, no, like that pain of like, oh, it was so close. It, it is one of the more enjoyable things I think about college football is that 
that sort of shift back and forth between the two. How do you feel about the three-man booth? I don't mind it as much. I think when the guys have good chemistry, it really works. Um, but if it's if it's a group that doesn't really have that chemistry, it can be a real, real slog. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see Matt Ryan. One, he's in the booth right now. Two, how long is he in the booth for the rest of the year before? I would think he's going to get a phone call at some point and he'd be back on the field this year. I don't know. I think a lot of those guys get into the booth and are like, wait, I don't have to wake up Monday morning and need help out of bed. Like, I think a lot of those guys get to the point where their like bodies are really beat up and they're like, you know what? I am tired of being in pain. I am tired of waking up sore. Like, you know what? I'm so happy just sitting here in the booth relaxing. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes both ways. But, you know, I think back to Greg Olson, who, you know, he just retired a couple of years ago after, you know, a brief season with Seattle. But, you know, he was, you know, going he, from the booth he, to the field. Came, where he almost came to Buffalo, too. Right? Yeah, that, that was, was that's very just close. an intro caveat. Yeah. That was, I think that was Josh's first playoff year. I think that was 2019. Yeah, uh, very interesting. But um, yeah, so we'll see. Three man booth, Andrew Catalan on play, and then color commentary by Tiki Barber, who hasn't had Man. the broadcast career he thought he could. I'm not a Tiki fan. Uh, shoot, he was on the Today Show at one point, and they had to fire him because he was absolutely terrible at it. Well, here's the thing about Tiki Barber. He's just a cool. Like, <laughs> it's very <laughs> ironic right. because Rondé Barber is the nicest, sweetest guy in the world. Like, literally everyone who's ever met Rondé Barber is like, he is a genuine nice person, a great guy, and just someone you want to be around. And Tiki is the antithesis of that. He's Everyone's like, he is, everyone I've ever known who's met Tiki Barber is like, he is such a tool. He thinks he's the greatest running back in NFL history, and he'll let you know that he's the greatest running back in NFL history. And it's like, when you're a, 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 I feel like Tiki Barber is better than the person about the name, but in a similar vein, when you're a Fred Jackson type player, you can't be like, oh, I'm the greatest of all time. Tiki Barber, you're good, but you're not first guy at Hall of Fame. You're not this. You're not that. You're you're Tiki Barber. And if you played for not the New York Giants, I don't think you'd be as culturally relevant as you think you are. Let's get back into this game. Any matchups that intrigue you in this one for either team, either side of the ball? I'm really excited to see how how the Bills' defensive line faces off against. Washington's offensive line and how oh, Buffalo's offensive line faces off against a very stacked Washington defensive line. It's going to be very exciting to see how this group stands up to the pressure and will sort of kind of tell you how it's going to go this season, right? Do they wilt or do they step up to the occasion and really, you know, step up and play to what we know their potential can be? Now, I would hope not in this case, but next week is Miami. I would hope the Bills aren't looking ahead to them, especially since 
Miami has a probability of here coming in undefeated. They play the Broncos at home, who are 0-2. But maybe this is the week the Broncos finally get their shot and Russell Wilson and Sean Payton find a way to get their first win. But I don't know. I trust the way that they've always approached every game, one game at a time. That's McDermott's mantra, if you will, that I wouldn't think they overlook Washington in this one. I would hope not, at least. No, as an organization, they don't seem to overlook opponents. Um, you know, sometimes Josh Allen gets a little too sugar happy where he's like, he thinks it's a big game and he needs to do X, Y, and Z. When in actuality, he just needs to do what he did in that Raiders game, which was let the defense di- let take what the defense is giving you, get the ball to your guys and let them make plays, which is exactly what they did. You know, one thing that stood out in the last game, and we never even got into it, was time of possession. Buffalo dominated it. They held the ball for nine minutes and a second to start out the second half. And one of the uh, things I really liked from that game, we saw it a few times where McDermott was kind of wavering on it, was the Bills were kind of uh, hang, like really went for it on fourth down. Yeah. But like in week one, they were a little conservative, um, including the I think it was fourth and three. They kicked a field goal inside the 20, which shifted the win probability down by 2%. Yep. And so it's one of those things where, you know what? Like, I think McDermott and Allen got a little too hyped for the game. When McDermott gets hyped, he gets hyper-conservative, plays scared, lets the defense win the game. When he's comfortable and he's feeling it, he goes, you know what? I We're paying our quarterback over a quarter of a billion dollars, we're going to let him go. All right. Well, Bills, Washington Commanders, I'm trying to fight everything in my body not to say football team or Redskins at this point, but Washington, uh, RFK Stadium, uh, 1 o'clock kickoff on CBS. Of course, you Worst can... stadium in the NFL. Yep, notoriously. So... It'll be interesting to see. We never even touched on this, too. New ownership group in Washington, how things approve and change from, from a naming standpoint, from a facility standpoint. Da- uh, Daniel Snyder, I mean, earned a reputation as being one of the worst owners and one of the worst people in the NFL That with a fresh ownership group. Um, I heard some folks from Washington on various media outlets that, this week that they feel like it's kind of the breath of fresh air that, uh, you know, D.C. needed. Yeah, and you know what? It, getting rid of the worst owner in the NFL will normally help morale across the board. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Buffalo Bills Draft House podcast. Find us across our social media platforms, drafthousesports.com, on facebook.com slash Draft-House. Uh, find Alex at TW Callahan DHS. You can find me at Bill's Bruiser. Find our uh, site here at DHS Buffalo. For Alex Jones, I'm Brad the Bruiser Icorn. Go Bills. This has been the Buffalo Bills Draft House Podcast. Available on Spotify, Odyssey, Prime Music, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. In our street media production.